Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of The Seventh Rule. I'm here with your stars, Aaron Eisenberg and Sirach Lofton. You know them as Nog and Jake Sisko on Deep Space Nine. Uh, my name is Ryan T. Hust. Today, we're going to talk about, we've got some new content, a new series that we're launching this week. And uh, we've also got The Passenger, Episode 8 of Deep Space Nine, directed by Paul Lynch to discuss. We are just talking scintillating reviews about it. We can't wait for you to hear all about it on The Seventh Rule. <laughs> uh, why are you laughing already, Aaron? Scintillating reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Wetting their appetite. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about uh, this new content we're doing. For the next four weeks or so, we are doing something called the uh, Star Trek Convention Series, where we highlight and... Uh, Hey guys, is it just me or is it breaking up? Is, is that just my connect? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah. <laughs> I think we're good. Okay. Uh, right. but yeah, we're talking about uh, Star Trek convention attendees and vendors and uh, cosplayers, things like that. We're bringing guests on. So if you want to be featured as uh, one of our guests of the Star Trek convention, uh, feel free to let us know on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Patreon. Send us a pigeon. Anything. Mail Ciroc Lofton. <laughs> uh, you would have to send us pigeon to Ciroc. Yeah, my connection sucks. Now. Yeah. We're, we're having technical issues again with Ciroc. <laughs> <laughs> that remind, that's a flashback. Uh, like the search for Wi-Fi. Right we're going to change our title, The Seventh Rule, The Search for Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, The Search for Wi-Fi. It's like he's looking around the house like he can actually see the Wi-Fi signal in the air, I think. I think he can. He is like a magnet for Wi-Fi. So this... Uh, I can find it. <laughs> this new series that we're doing is actually fairly similar to something that Ciroc, uh had been doing and wanted to do in the past. Which yes. Was he wanted to kind of like highlight people at the conventions. You wanted to tell us a little bit about that, Sirach? Yeah, so um, I got the idea a couple of years back, but you know, the idea was to do a, a show that covers conventions. <laughs> <laughs> It's just right. I mean, we've been talking for like thirty minutes before we started. Everything Two was hours. fine. Yeah. yeah, everything was fine. And now, as soon as you hit record, frozen. Yeah, we're talking for like two hours. So we'll just tell you. Uh, Sirac had been going around conventions and kind of interviewing the the con goers and you know seeing what makes them tick and what they like about Star Trek, what they like about. Uh, the convention stuff like that so this is kind of the seventh rule seventh rules version of that where we're bringing on individual guests and you're doing like a 15 or 20 minute spot and uh we're going to be putting that up for the next four weeks we see a Ciroc. uh we'll be putting that up for the next four weeks practically daily mm -hmm. so, and know. who have we and we've talked to um We've talked to several people, and they've, they've got some great things going on, especially for Star Trek Las Vegas. Uh, we had Darnell. Um, Darnell Davis. Davis, uh-huh. Yep, right. And, um, and we also Dave. have two new interns. We'd like to mention them. I'll give them yeah. a shout-out. Yeah, our Trek techs, our new Trek techs, Heather Jordan and Kat R. King. They are our intern Trek techs, and they'll be helping us out this month with this new series since we're doing double duty here. Double duty. 
and they've been very helpful so far and very cheery. One lives in LA, one lives in New York. That's right. One lives in LA and one lives in New York. We just lost Ciroc again. It's uh, okay. The search for Wi-Fi. Uh, yes, and uh, it's great to have them on, and and uh, and we we hope that you guys check out these little snippets of video we've been shooting. We got some more guests coming next week as well, and we're we're shooting to get bring Armin in for the next show uh, after this one for Move Along Home uh, to hope and speak and, and speak about that episode. And Armin, if we want to move in, do we want to move into the passenger? I'm ready to talk about the passenger. You know, let's do it. Let's do it. But first, I, 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 yeah, if, you, first. if you or anybody you know want to uh, be a guest on the show and talk about Star Trek convention, especially Star Trek Las Vegas, because this is kind of like the one month lead up to Star Trek Las Vegas, the biggest convention in the world that we know and love, uh, please let us know. Send them our way and uh, give us a little message as to why they want to be on the show. And uh, we'll see what happens. Please continue, Aaron. Oh, I, well, what am I continuing with? Uh, Whatever. I don't know. Today we had um, Eric, Eric Hall and uh, Brooke and Mindy join us on, the on an earlier episode that we recorded prior to this one. So check them out. It's a lot of fun and we hope to hear from you guys. And we're on Instagram now, we're on Twitter, and we're on Facebook. And let's get into The Passenger. Um, I actually yes. really like this episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was kind of like a whodunit, a mystery, who's, you know, uh, the bad guy and, you know, who's possessed. And, you know, you're wondering, you know, going through the episode. I love that there was uh, um, uh, energy leakage. I think anytime a show uses the word leakage, you know it's going to be a great show. Uh, it's going to be a good show. Yeah, very good show. Um, so, anyway. Uh, Paul and, and I. It, yeah, Paul Lynch director was the director. Do you remember him? And it's interesting. I don't. I don't actually remember him. Um, do you, Sirach? Yes, I do remember Paul a uh, little bit. Uh, not not as much as, but he's done a few episodes for us, right? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty. Yeah, sure. yeah. I'm sure he's done about four or five episodes. I've seen him before. I remember his face, but I just don't remember like connecting with him personally. Sure. So so I don't have that like memory that I can just recall. Like, oh yeah as much as I do other directors like David Livingston and, yeah. uh, and you know, less, less, less. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let and me yeah. tell you, uh, let yeah. me tell you the five episodes that Paul Lynch has directed. It looks like most, they're all in the first season, actually. Uh, they are A Man Alone. That's oh, I was in that episode. one. Uh, they, Babel. Q-less, these are all the ones that we had just covered. We just covered all of these, yeah. Yep, and Battle Lines. And then a few on The Next Generation, like The First Duty, which is a very uh, very preferred duty. episode that we all I'm love. I'm so juvenile. <laughs> and The Naked Now, among others, which is not a preferred episode. <laughs> anyway, sorry. And then the sequel to that, The Naked Later. <laughs> uh, I was waiting for something. There it is. We need like somebody in the back with a drum. Didum <laughs> doom. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Paul Lynch basically did like a lot of the early episodes that we, yeah. uh, like the first few episodes after David Carson, who did the pilot episode. Um, I don't know if you remember working with David Carson, Aaron. I do actually. I do. I I actually do remember him. Yeah. So David did. Uh, he did the pilot episode, and he. 
he's a British guy, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Carson? He reminded me of like uh, one of the Beatles in, in like his voice and the way he approaches work. Mm. Which one? Uh, uh, like a Paul McCartney or John okay. Lennon type. Yeah. So You know, we, we talked about looking at the directing of these shows and I, f- I find I'm not and maybe I'm a, I, I'm I'm too used to how modern shows are being filmed because there's so much static camera movement or I'm sorry that that was an oxymoron there's so little movement of the camera and everything's static it's all stuck and then they're just it's kind of a, a single frame or a two shot and then a single and then a two shot and it's interesting watching that and um, one of the things I was just looking up when you you know looking up Paul Lynch. And, and one of the things Will Wheaton said um, about Paul Lynch, and he said, Paul Lynch, who directed the episode The Naked Now, directed several episodes of TNG. He was an Englishman who was always extraordinarily wound up, red-faced, sweating profusely, and infamous for saying, energy, 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 and, 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 and action. And I was thinking about that because I don't remember that. Um, and I was thinking an interesting uh, dichotomy between an actor that's trying to get more and more, yet the cameras are all still and nothing's really moving. There's there's no energy within the camera and the cinematography. And right. I I have to be honest, I'm not a fan of that. And and maybe that's a um, a progress of cinematography in TV. You know, we see Discovery and everything's moving, and 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 there's a lot of creativity with what they're doing with the camera uh, and lighting and what have you. And while there's too much lens flare, everything's pretty safe and flat and very typical of the nineties in the, in, in the camera work uh, or in, in what, and how it's directed and set up. And I wonder how that changed. And I'm sure budget had, uh, had something to do with that as well. More money, although there was a lot of money in our shows, but it's interesting. Interesting how, well, I, I could speak to a little bit, or at least one factor, not all of them, but one factor that comes to mind is uh, <clears throat> those cameras that we use, the motion picture cameras that we use on our show were heavy cameras. Yes. They, requ- they required a dolly, a grip operator to move the dolly, mm-hmm. and, and they also required, um, you know, usually two people operating the camera mm-hmm. itself. Focus, yeah. Yeah, outside of the, the guy who's looking through the lens. So usually about three people in and around the camera at any given moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember them drawing lines on the floor, flooring that they would put down for marks for the camera. This right. would be the A mark of the camera, the B mark. And usually the guy who was, you know, camera assistant dolly operator would move the camera onto each mark, one mark at a time. And what I see now with, uh, as, as far as the advancement of cameras with the red camera and smaller cameras and higher quality digital film, uh, digital uh, imagery that is easier to process and, 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 and lighter as far as uh, you know, carrying film and, and all of the other things that come with doing film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you can see why now the, the looseness of the camera is able, you're able to go in with a handheld and get a lot more kind of herky jerky stuff, uh, more in, inside of the mix stuff. I don't remember them using in the early on in the seasons, for example, 
the uh, handheld camera that, that would come with a, a, a back brace, you know, that we use. Oh, Steadicam. A Steadicam. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't use the Steadicam ah. in the beginning of our show. As much I, as I, I can't as say, it, I, I interrupted you and I didn't mean to. I, I don't remember either, but I do know we did have Steadicam operators. At and, some point, yeah, around yeah. the fourth or fifth season, I think, third, fourth or fifth season. But I also, but I also will, will argue, and not argue, this is a, a really fun discussion, and it's something I'm enjoying watching and then watching the development of how the cinematography changes in our show and trying to pay attention to that from, from episode to episode. But I remember Mike, there was one director, and his, his son was also on the camera crew, and it was Mike, and I can't remember his last name. And I'll never forget this. He's all, see, guys, we don't have to have the camera moving all the time. He made this comment where his perception artistically was we don't need the camera moving all the time. And, and he was older at that time, not, not old, older, probably my age or a little bit younger than I am now at that time. Right. But his idea of directing the episode, uh, was, was to not have the camera move a lot. And, um, and then you see shows today, like, um, I know, um, uh, there's, a, there's one show, uh, I can't, oh, I know how to get away with murder. And I remember watching it and the, and the, and the camera's like flying in, doing around loops around. I'm like, Oh my God, every, every scene, the camera's flying around. Then I watch a show from France uh, called the return. There was an American version. It didn't, it didn't succeed, but the French version was amazing. It was haunting. It was spooky and the camera rarely moved. It, it was really still and and it let the scene play out and the actors play within the scenes and it really drew you in sure. to to what they were going. So, and what I'm saying that is I think even on our show, it comes down to um, creative, creative thought mm -hmm. as well as sticking within the parameters that Star Trek and DS9 set for the directors as well as the budget. To do a crane shot coming down or a big dolly shot takes a long setup, right? Then just yeah. put the camera on sticks, shooting a two shot and then going in for two singles and one wide, now we're out, we go to the next scene. We have eight days to shoot a scene and a budget is only so much. And I always remember hearing that they said, look, you can have one amazing Master. scene. Yeah, one Master. like... Yeah, and then the rest are all got to be nice and simple and specific. So um, it's interesting trying to pay attention to the different directors to see their creative influence. And on this episode, I find myself watching that too much and kind of being like a little bit bored, a little bit too set up and, and too basic. It was Well, you know, this episode, you know, really highlights to me why we met a lot of early criticism uh, in the first season of our oh, show. Oh, really? Why? Ooh, this is where it gets good. Now we're getting go. juicy, scintillating. Well, well, I mean, I'm gonna so, start. I'm gonna start recording now. <laughs> yes, it was for the reason that you just named, which is the pace. And I feel like our show's pace uh, is slow. Yeah, uh, especially uh, scenes that don't have quirk in them. I, I, <laughs> I actually find myself really. Uh, liking Quark's pace and 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 his his time on camera, Armin really um, sells it for me, and yeah. I and I don't feel like I'm watching the clock when he's doing his scenes. Uh, I really enjoy the the scene in this one where the the back and forth between Quark and Odo, for example. Yes, mm -hmm. 
and um, you know, Quark reveals that he has his fantasy of for Dax. You know, this this, this so wi- funny the wish list, and I and I think that uh, his admiration for Dax, and it's funny to me, like they're all after one girl. Like they need to import some more girls on the station because <laughs> yeah, it's like do. it's like every every guy's after the same girl. But it's like uh, you know. Um, to me, like their interchange, it feels lively. I feel, I feel the the, the the quickness of the pace, and I don't feel like I'm like you know waiting for in you know, more action or, or quicker tempo. Right. Um, so I do enjoy what uh, Armin brings to the table, and, and and when he's doing scenes with Renee and and uh, Cisco's character. Um, but yeah. some of the some of the slower scenes for me come when I watch. You know, uh, Sadig, who's heavily featured in this uh, episode, uh, and Terry Farrell, Dax's character, actually seems a little bit slow at this point. Uh, and so, when I when the camera or when the when when the scenes focus on that, I I am looking for more tempo or more something more. And so yeah. it was a little it, it's a little bit difficult to get into uh, when you don't have the kind of tempo or pace that like Armin naturally brings to the table well you know i find myself gravitating to sort certain characters and 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 really enjoying when they come on 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 screen and mm-hmm. i'm really i'm really loving renee and odo as well yeah. as Mark, um and cisco those three and and it's not a slight on anybody else but i find i find the three of them the most dynamic the most interesting the most colored and they they come on and i love watching avery navigate and work through everything he's going through and everything is in here you see him thinking and i love that and i loved his exchange with odo and how that was different and a little bit warmer a little bit nicer a little bit more diplomatic than it was with the starfleet officer you know he was like no you, you know go home or do what i say odo's like well odo ah you know, and he, and he more complimented Odo to keep him. And then Odo's response was great. And then, and remember, we are only at what, what was num- this number nine? Eight. Episode eight. And you're starting to see those relationships build more. And you instantly right. know Odo and Quark, it's those two for, ni- for, for seven. Yeah. You know, yeah. and. You know, um, uh, Sorry, I was just going to say, you know, you said something uh, about the way Cisco acts, and uh, I noticed it too. It reminds me also of the way Jonathan Frakes acts. The way I, uh, the way I see it is they act like a director, um, like, a, like a director thinks. In other words, they're trying, they're deliberately trying to show you what they're thinking, because they're thinking yeah. like a director. They're thinking like, I need the audience to know that I'm pondering about this can of soda, but now I'm thinking of something else. Like you can see that they're deliberately kind of walking you through the steps of, you know, making sure that, that you understand now I'm thinking of this and now I'm thinking of that and I don't like what he's saying, you know? And so they kind of, they, you know, and so I think that's strictly like, people that think like a director that act that way. And I know Avery did end up directing yeah. episodes later on. Uh, yeah. And so did Renee. So yeah, and you know, to, to piggyback on what you're saying, 
What I enjoy as well, which is just to add to what you're saying is, is there's layers of context in between uh, the interactions between Odo and, and Quark or uh, Cisco and mm -hmm. Odo. And there's these context, there's, there's this friction, there's, there's uh, a little bit of combativeness, there's, yeah. a, there's a representation of a past history. Mm -hmm. where the, and, and so you have so much layer when you get these interactions between these characters, as opposed to, for example, when I watched, uh, you know, uh, Siddig trying to hit on Dax. And it seems very surface level. You know, it's like, uh, you know, she's oblivious to the fact that he's all over her and he's relentlessly going to keep trying. But there's no con like subtle uh, layers of context there where there's like picking up on certain things and letting go of certain things. It's really kind of what you see, what you get. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas when I see Quark and I see Cisco and I see Odo, I see them really um, layering their performances with, you know, uh, just that certain level of je ne sais quoi that just, you know, takes you, that takes the route. The, the the audience and makes them question it and makes them really say, oh, I wonder if this is going to, you know, be a rift between them or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wonder if they're, if this is going to end their friendship or I wonder if this is going to be the thing that sets off a big argument between them. Right. And there's, there's always that, you don't know that, that, that element of kind of, you know, uncertainty. And, and we have to go to a break here soon and Ryan will take us out. And I'll, I, I want to end with this because I, I thought this was really funny. Watching Quark, you know, fawn over Dax, you know, all the time. And I'm thinking this is going to be an ongoing thing. And then I thought to myself, and she danced with me. He must uh -oh. have been so jealous. Oh, Nog, wow. Nog, Nog, Dax dances with Nog, that little son of a Ferengi, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the cool Ferengi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I think we all had a shot. I, I know I was talking to Dax <laughs> the whole time, but that was off camera. Yeah, and that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's and I got right. shot down just as well as Sadig <laughs> oh. did. But just remember, she went to the director to dance with me in the scene in your cordially invited. She thought I was so adorable, yeah. cute, you know, nice, you know. You know, there's charity. She has to do charity work <laughs> every once in a while. That was, that was part of her charity. It is interesting that they did cut to you and Quark, you know, watching, <laughs> going, just shaking your head. Both of you, my best friend. Uh, and my so yeah. jealous, so jealous. Uh, it wasn't jealousy <laughs> so much as it was, uh, you know, why this guy? Wow, a true friend would have been, you go, Nog. That's my man. That's my buddy. High five. But, you yeah, know, no, it's all no. a facade. Not a true friend. Not a true friend. So, you mentioned uh, friction, which kind of, uh, it, it reminded me of something that is, so far, an absolutely new element, uh, or at least a new take on that element on, uh, on this show, and on the eighth episode so far, or ninth if you count the pilot as two, and that was uh, Lieutenant Primmon, played by, let me look this up real quick, played by James Lashley, 
and and he kind of introduced suddenly i don't remember this character they introduced this new character that is now kind of button heads with odo he's like a a security officer from the federation and that's it's kind of an element that that i wanted to see in there was you know like more of the friction between uh starfleet and the bajorans and kind of like how cisco is forced to navigate that but then also how you know how odo plays that out you know is he just gonna be like my way or the highway which is kind of what we saw or is he gonna play ball and kind of think okay well big picture you know it's not so bad you know pick your battles kind of thing so i wanted to bring that up we're gonna go to a commercial break right now and i kind of want to know what you guys think of that and if they're actually really showing that friction well enough yet or if you think that's something that leaves a little bit uh desired you know to be desired you know all right right on the other side of this that is so we'll be right back on the seventh rule hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Seventh Rule, talking about episode eight of Deep Space Nine called The Passenger, directed by Paul Lynch. And uh, just on the break, Aaron said something that made us laugh, and, and we're talking about this new <laughs> character called Lieutenant Primen. And what did you just say on the break? Uh I'm not sure. I, I say so many things. No, he, 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 said, he, said, he said, he actually said, you get a good job, which is, uh, this is from the actor standpoint. Yeah. You get a good job, you get a good role, you do, you do a good job at it, and then you never work again. Yeah. So, and he you're said, like, I felt sorry for fun? him. Yeah, I felt, okay. I, 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 felt, I felt bad for the guy because, you know, you, 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 exactly what Ciroc said. You, you, get a, you get a character, you get a starring role, on, on a new hit uh, TV Star Trek show, and uh, you're playing, you know, a security officer of the Federation coming to Deep Space Nine, and they never explored it any further. And then I, I don't think he continues on, and Ryan didn't even remember him. Um, I'm and, checking right now. He yeah. does actually work in two episodes. Because I was wondering, how could they – they didn't announce that he was coming. He just pops yeah. Out of and nowhere. they should have. Yeah, they like, should have. You know, like you, you, you talked earlier in the previous, uh, just a few minutes ago, about the conflict, right, between the Federation and Bajorans and exploring that more. So there should have been a scene where an admiral, you know, from Starbase, you know, three two six one says, uh, you know, Commander Cisco, we're sending a security officer, and he's like, I'm fine, I don't need one. Well, we're sending one. We want more of a right. presence on there. And then you see that a little bit more of a conflict between what the Federation wants to happen, which is possibly we want Bajorans to come into the Federation. And, and, and I remember Ira saying that he never wanted that to happen. And I think it ends up happening in Star Trek Online. But I don't think that he ever wanted that to happen. So you'll see that would have been a good conflict to start and bring in to the show by placing this guy for maybe a recurring role for five or six episodes and Cisco navigating that he doesn't want to do that and it's actually impeding his ability to, um, to bridge the gap 
and, and get the Bajorans on his side and working together for a common good to now sowing more distrust. And then Kira then would then come in going, hey, why is this guy here? What are we doing? What are you doing? What is really your motive? Who's and, the boss here? Who's really yeah. the boss? And, and I don't think they took it that route. I'm assuming because I haven't watched the show yet, that that's not where we're going to go. And I'll, I'll give a critique, and I'll, I'll finish with this because I know I talk too much. I'll give a critique that this was a missed opportunity for our show to, to build more for Cisco and Kira and, and, a, and what the Federation wants, what Cisco wants and Bajorans want. Well, you know, two quick points on that, and then I want to hear what uh, Sirach has to say on this. But number one is maybe not a total missed opportunity because the next episode we see him in, the only other one is an episode called Move Along Home, which is the next one we're doing next week. So it's kind of like a stay tuned for next week and see how they, they address it. I guess they signed him on for two episodes. Already kind of showing the serialized aspect of Deep Space Nine, how they kind of introduce oh. him, keep him into the next one and then he's gone. But what I was going to say also is this thing that you mentioned might be a missed opportunity was absolutely very well capitalized later on in the series with uh, Lieutenant Eddington, or Lieutenant Commander Ah, Maquis. Yes, because they introduced him, but he didn't become Maquis right away. He had a few episodes, there was some conflict, Cisco mm. was in the middle of it, all that juicy stuff that we want, they did that later. Uh, anyway, uh, you were going to say, Sirach? Well, I was going to just uh, highlight, because I think before we went to break, you mentioned... Uh, Odo's character and, and one of the things that I really like I felt Renee really has a good grasp on uh, what he what he wants to do yeah. with his character and you see that right away he's like the uh, you know he's set in his ways um, he's very opinionated uh, he follows his gut and and he kind of uh, uh, relishes conflict he, he enjoys like unnerving people or trying to get under their skin it's almost like uh the colombo the colombo kind of <laughs> approach where, where where you like enjoy getting under somebody's skin and and, and really kind of saying the things that irk them just to see Folks, their reaction don't get don't get used to colombo references this is going to be the only one okay <laughs> this is the only one <laughs> oh, but, I, but oh you got colombo and i got the shield okay yeah, is that what we're yeah. going with yeah, Peter Falk, baby, Peter Falk. <laughs> Fuck that. So, yeah, I, um, I just enjoy the way he really has a complete grasp on what he wants to accomplish with his character and how he executes. I think he's, um, he's, he's so bullheaded, so strong and opinionated that, you know, he follows his gut and, and he, he's usually on the right path um, mm-hmm. in, in that regard. So I, I think that, you know, one of the things that I enjoy early on now in the show – like you said, there's certain characters that stand out to me as, as being uh, or has, as having grabbed my attention uh, and, and really, you know, being liked by me. And mm-hmm. I think that Odo, uh, Cork, and Cisco have, have really earned that for me. Um, I, yeah. Oh, I, I, to take that further, uh, to, to uh, take that another step, I'm watching the show now. And I'm starting to think, what brings me back next week, right? If I'm watching the show, which we are for the first time, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm enjoying it, I'm thinking to myself, okay, why do I want to come back next week? There isn't a serialized uh, idea yet. 
other than the conflict, you know, or not the conflict, but Cisco's job to, you know, keep the peace and help the Bajorans move forward. But there isn't any story arc that's really going to bring you back. Oh my gosh, we're going to end the, the episode with this cliffhanger. I got to tune in next week. So what I realize is that it's the characters that are going to bring me back. So what character do I look forward to? And that's what I want to ask you to. Which character at this moment? Now that can change, right? Because, because obviously we're going to be a deep character-driven show. And we all know that that's what's coming. And Ryan has already seen it, so he already knows. If you, Ryan, could separate yourself from what you already know, yep. and you were only watching up to us, which Sorok and I, which character is really going, I can't wait to see more of this one. And I'm... I am so surprised I'm going to say this. And that doesn't mean I don't love Cisco's character and Quark's character because I absolutely agree with you about Quark. He brings in energy, lifts the show. And I love, I, I, I want to see more of Bashir, Dax, Kara, but I'm going to say Odo. And I never, ever thought I would say that. And I think that's because of my own preconceived ideas about Odo. One, he always got threw me, you know, in jail or he was always grabbing my arm and I was always in trouble. And that's obviously a joke. But two, I always saw Odo and Renee on the show as being angry, right? Because he has this curmudgeon look to him, which is his character also. But I always thought Renee was angry and I always thought he was mad at me. Now that's my own insecurity because I never did anything. But I always thought, oh yeah, I don't think he likes me. I don't think he likes me. And I'll never forget that um, at one time in the makeup trailer, I was talking about Terry Brooks, uh, that I really loved his books. Um, and I might have said this on another show, but I'm going to say it again. Um, and, and apparently Renee was in the makeup trailer at the same time. And I never really had a lot of interactions with him other than hello. And, and now he means the world to me and I'm much closer to him. But back then I wasn't. I'm 23, 24, you know, and I'm like, oh man, I think he's mad, whatever. I'm insecure. Come go fast forward a couple weeks or another time. Renee comes up to me, says, here, I, I brought this for you. I'm like, oh, whoa. And he brought me a audio cassette of one of the books that he did the audio of, for, of Terry Brooks's books. And I, it, I'll never forget that moment because it was such a small gesture, but it absolutely warmed my heart and go, high five, Renee. All right, we're good. I, I, I'm okay. Okay, good. I feel good. I feel better. You and don't now, hate me. <laughs> yeah, you don't hate me. You love me. You love me. <laughs> but it, it showed me what I wasn't seeing, which was Renee. I kept seeing Odo, which developed my, my idea of him. Now watching the show, and I'll finish here. I'm sorry. I love his character and his work. And, and he's the one that I'm looking forward to each week. And I never, ever thought I would say that at this moment and that will probably change as our show changes and we get into more characters but i'm loving watching renee play odo i just love it and especially because his makeup is probably even harder than ours as a ferengi because you truly don't see his face um and even in my makeup you still saw my cheeks you you know uh you see my mouth his literally covers every part of his face and, and he brings everything through that. It's, uh, he's yeah. the one I'm looking forward to every week right now. Hmm. Yeah. Rock, what about you? Well, I, 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 I have to say, I know this is probably the easy pick, but I never expected myself saying this. I enjoy Quirk's character. 
Mm-hmm. And I and I kind of um, I'm interested to see what he's gonna do or what he's gonna say, you know. And it's like he's he's liable to say anything, which is yeah. kind of the, which is kind of what I like about him. He he's just he doesn't pull any punches, and he lets he lets it go. And I like that. Um, the thing that I you know wanted to say about this passenger episode, and it has to be said. And I will be the one that says it. Uh oh. It it was it was difficult to watch uh Bashir uh the possessed version of Bashir. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was difficult to watch for me. And I was just like literally looking at the screen like I can't believe, you know, that they, they got away with this because it was Almost unbelievable for me, in a, in a very cheesy kind of way. And I well, just yeah. can I throw a defense into uh, Sid? Please. I'll throw a defense into him. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is nothing against Sid, and I know that he was asked to do this, and they yeah. wanted it done this way. And it's just, I just, I just couldn't watch it without literally, like, just putting my hand over my head, like, oh God, this is bad. Yeah, and and again, it's it's you know it's hard to throw criticism. It's hard to it's hard to throw criticism because you know for actors you never really know the circumstances of of how they get to what they what we do. You know, sometimes you have an idea, you want to do something, and somebody else has another idea, and either a you give in, b you do your thing, or c you find somewhere in the middle. So we we truly don't know uh what happened here and um it was it was probably the the weaker part of the show um but with that said with that said uh one of the notes of production was all of sid's original onset dialogue as vantica am i saying that right or vantica vantica i think is how it was said in the episode all of it was dubbed in post-production um uh Sid made a choice that that the producers didn't feel was right for them. So he had to go into post-production, ADR, looping, those are, are the things it's called, to redo his audio uh, for all his lines in the show, which I, which I think affected uh, that performance. And, and that's why I think it's a tough thing, because personally, I thought Sid was really funny in the first scene with Kira. Um, and, and it's almost like this innocent arrogance, uh, that I, and she was, she was equally entertaining in her response. So I was kind of hoping to see more of them together as we move on to other shows. And, uh, and you are right about Quark. I, I look forward to him as well. And I also look forward to Avery. I, I love watching him navigate all the people he's got to work with. I, I love all that. And again, we have another episode without the family dynamic, which is driving me nuts. Um, I want to see an appearance from my best friend, and I want to see that relationship between him and Cisco uh, grow. And, it, and, and I don't know why they've waited so long to do that. It's bugging me. It's another critique I have of our show. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I think that we've gotten now to the point, you know, eight episodes in, where every main character has had their spotlight you know and i think that's what they did where they're kind of like you know this is kind of a, a cork centric episode this is uh oh, this is a sid one then maybe yeah maybe. That, that was a sid one you know um there was an o'brien one kind of or at least halfway you know centric oh yeah where was o'brien in this episode but to answer your question um 
<laughs> I can tell you from when I first started watching it, I have the same opinion uh, because when I first started watching it so many years ago, I didn't watch starting at the pilot. I started watching around maybe the third or fourth season or something like that. Oh, really? But there's still the same character that jumped out at me, and that is Garrick. Yeah. Uh, in that that character makes me go, man, I want, I want to learn more because they've, they've created a mystery around him. Quark is a mystery and he's interesting, but less so. We understand what he's doing. We understand why. Whereas Garrick is an enigma wrapped in another enigma or whatever, you know. And so we want to know more. We want to know more. We want to understand what makes him tick, what's going on. And the other one is, uh, for me, from the beginning, the get-go is Cisco because in the first episode, in the pilot, we get the most backstory of his. And so the more backstory you get of characters, generally, the more you want to learn more about them because now they're, they're multidimensional and you've learned more about them and you say, well, what about this and what about that? And in that first episode, we learned so much about him and his journey and his story and all this stuff that happened before he even arrives at Deep Space Nine. There's so much Cisco yeah. history and, and this huge story that happens before he arrives there that he's the guy that we're, that we're still following, you know, and we want to continue to learn more. And part of that is his, his story with his son, you know. Uh, so it's like his history, his family life, and his new job. That's kind of like the trifecta that, you know, he's doing. And I think we're going to get a lot more of that in the first season. I don't remember, but I'm, I'm assuming we do. And I would say it's those two. When we were sitting talking, I was thinking about the characters and, and I was thinking, why haven't we seen Garrick again? I don't like when shows introduce somebody and then you don't see them for a while. I, I don't know either I'm spoiled in some way or it's something that bothers me, even if it's one scene. And I know as a production, you can't just constantly bring everybody back every week for every show. I get that. But I don't like – I don't like um, – we, we made those critiques on Discovery as well. And, and I'm starting to see those little cracks here. I don't know why O'Brien was a no-show in this episode as well. And I know things happen. Someone's out of town. They get another job for, for a short period of time or something happens with family. There's so many reasons why an actor may not be available for a particular episode, even a regular. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Sirac could probably uh, talk about that a little bit better than I can. Um, but I sat there going, oh, wait, O'Brien didn't show up. And I hate that I didn't realize it while we were watching the show, which is, which is a good testament to the show that I was invested enough in it that I didn't think, oh, what's wrong with this episode, you know? But, um, but it, you know, the other thing that they kind of really threw heavy at us in the beginning, and at least in the pilot, and they haven't really gone back to, is the fact that Cisco is this prophet and gets these visions. Yes from you know these aliens or these whatever you know from the prophets and we we don't really get back into that and i kind of want i'm kind of missing to see oh do the prophets talk to him every week or do they guide him or you know mm -hmm. how often do this, does he get visions um and so i feel like they gave us a lot of that and then they just haven't given us any more since yeah not at all and again how do you fit all these things you put out there within a 45 minute episode, right? Outside of commercials, right? 43 or something like that. 42, I think. Um, it's really difficult to put in all these ideas and, um, and elements, I, I think, you know? Mm -hmm. You can't just have them come by and, I mean, does he start the episode waking up from a dream? 
Maybe so. Maybe it's that simple that, and, and Ryan, who, who likes, who is a writer, maybe you can speak of that. You know, if, if you want to keep those elements, do you have a plan to keep those elements as a writer? Or do you really write out of, uh, uh, by the seat of your pants and just go with the flow of week to week and what's happening and what you see in dailies and what you see by meeting the actors? Why couldn't we start with an episode, start the episode with, Cisco is, is literally having a dream that's so obscure. We don't even really know what it means yet. And maybe they plant that seed that we find out what it means three seasons later or maybe six episodes later. And then he says, right. morning to his son. And, and he says, Jake, what are you doing today? I don't know. I have nothing to do. Don't you have school? And you're like, well, we don't really have a school. And that just plants a seed. We got to fix that for when Keiko wants to make a school. You know what I mean? Simple connection, but then Cisco has to go. So Jake's going to sit there and, you know, maybe he's going to start reading a book, which then leads, which is just a little seed for being a journalist. You know, you read books all day. I just finished this book, dad. Meaning I don't think they have those ideas yet in place. Right. So is it better as a writer to have some of those little ideas that let's explore this So if you plant the seed that Cisco wakes up from a nightmare prophet dream, sees his son in the morning, he's like, dad, I just finished another book. Oh, we find out that Jake's a prolific reader. Loves is a voracious reader would be a good one. And it's nothing that we think about. He's a kid. He's reading books. Right. But then how, how much would that be even more great uh, foundation for later when you become a writer? Right. Um, things like that, you know, I don't know. It would, we only know, can go back and do that because we know what happens. And then Cisco goes about the episode. Easy to bring in the profits, right? Well, that's the, difference. that's the difference between episodic and serialized storytelling in television. And back then, they didn't want to plant those seeds uh, so much because they want you to be able to, if you missed last week's episode, they still want you to be able to watch this week's episode. Because remember, there was no Netflix back there. You couldn't go back and watch it. If you missed episode seven, that's it. It's gone for a while. Sure. And they don't want you saying, well, I can't watch episode eight because I missed episode seven and it all ties in. You know, ah, and, and I also want to be able to get new viewers. Let's say you're watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine for the first time on season two, episode eight. You don't want to be like, I don't know what the is going on here you want to say like okay i get it it's all it's a self-contained episode nowadays we can do serialized uh writing and personally i think it's better deep space nine was one of the first to actually move into that realm boldly mind you because we didn't have netflix and hulu back then so they were really taking a chance doing it but it to, to what you're saying is it it hugely and vastly expands the quality of the writing that you can do because it doesn't always have to be this one little self-contained story. You can start planting seeds here and introducing characters there and bringing them back a few episodes later and then two years later and it all ties in and suddenly you're writing this very rich story, this, this whole long tapestry, you know, uh, mm-hmm. which is a season seven episode of next generation. Uh, but anyway, like, that's to me that's more sophisticated writing uh but episodic is a lot tougher in that regard in that everything has to just that's it you've got this long to do it and everything has to fit into this 
and that's it, you know? But. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> having, having Cisco wake up in the morning and Jake see him at the breakfast table with his third book he's read in three days doesn't have to lead to a serialized idea of, oh, I can't wait to see what book Jake reads on the next episode. It can be something that people accept as part of a normal behavior of a 14-year-old kid and wouldn't think anything of it. Yet, three years later, when he's a writer, they'll go, oh yeah, remember when Jake was such a voracious reader? So it's a subtle uh, seed that's being dropped. Same with Cisco. If Cisco has some obscure dream, if you didn't see that episode, and then three episodes later, there's something with the prophets, doesn't need, it doesn't mean that you needed that to then enjoy that episode. It just would have made that a little bit stronger because it would have brought you along on that journey. But it didn't. One wasn't dependent upon the other. See what I'm That's saying? Right. And they and they are and they are doing that. Uh, well, I want it now. Yeah. I want it on episode eight. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. What are your I, thoughts, I, 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 well, my thoughts are that it, it's still early. We're season one, episode <laughs> eight. So. I think a lot of these things, they, they do go back and talk about Garrett. They do go back and, and build out Odo's storyline. They do build out Quark's storyline. They, they do build out our relationship. Of course, of course. So, so they're going to address these things. I just feel like, you know, we're just like anything. We're always looking forward to the next thing. You know, who's the red angel? Uh, you know, we all, we always want to know the, the the future and the next thing and the next thing, and that's just the insatiable appetite of the viewer. Um, but I do give credit that DS Nine will address a lot of the things that we're talking about. They will go back and cover uh, the emissary and visions, and yeah, of course they will, and build out a lot of these stories. So we're impatient. Uh, we also have the the luxury of hindsight as opposed to just being in the moment. But, uh, you know, that, that doesn't take away from whether I like something or not. Sure. And, and it comes down to that basically for me. Do I like it or do I not? And when it comes to, you know, the characters that we talked about that we like, I like them. And as far as some of the ones that they're still developing, in my opinion, um, I'm still having trouble gravitating towards liking them because they're, they're not fully kind of developed yet. So I, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I'm not yeah, necessarily yeah. in love with the characters, some of the characters now, because they still haven't really- um, Fleshed set, them out. Yeah, fleshed them out and, and have a strong identity where, oh, that guy is who that guy is. Yeah. And I, feel, and I feel like the stronger characters that have really identified their purpose and their behavior and who they are and what they're gonna be about, early are the ones that I like the most. Well, you know, the character that's been the most developed uh, is the station itself. And that, that absolutely is a draw. To some people, it was a put off. It was a character they did not like or an element they didn't like, but I think that was a draw. I think that's a draw because we all, uh, to me, it's fascinating. It's, it's got its own life. Like there are all these aliens running around. There's all these restaurants and nooks and crannies and it's got a culture of its own. It's really okay. kind of a cool thing. Like a Thomas's English muffin. <laughs> yes. So there was also one more thing that I noticed this episode, speaking of Odo earlier, I noticed this when I was watching this episode with the way Odo's character reacted to uh, the new character, Lieutenant Primmon. He reminded me very much 
uh, on a production of an assistant director. He is an, the assistant director of Deep Space Nine. Like an assistant director is also very much in charge of like safety and the security of everybody. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen an assistant director say the same kind of thing to the effect of, hey, if I can't have control of this set to do my job, then you're going to have to find another assistant director. Mm. And that's, that's what Odo was saying. He was saying, look, in order for me to do my job, I need to have you know, full reign over all this. I can't be looking over my shoulder. I can't be squabbling over this guy. And if you're going to be looking over my shoulder and, and you know, undermining me in any way, then I can't, I can't do this. Then, then I, I no longer am, am able to do this kind of job. And I was just like, that's cool. Odo's an assistant director. Uh, Aaron, have you ever thought that or did you consider him to be more of a grip? I, I don't think I, I thought, I thought he was craft service actually. I, <laughs> I was waiting for him to bring me the bagels. Maybe that's why he always gave me the dirty. That's milk. why he didn't want asking him. Hey, you got the bagels today? And he just looked at me and walked away. Uh, we need um, more cream cheese. I, I, um, I, it's interesting to me to think about how does, how do we improve writing, right? Like if, if we could add the scene into this episode with um, Cisco waking up from a prophet dream um, that we don't really know. We meet you're really You're really stuck on that dream. No, 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 no. But I'll tell you where I'm going. And it, and it goes to what you said about, oh, we only got 30 seconds. Shoot. Um, and, then, and then we get into Discovery, who really haven't done those things either. And we're 25 years apart. When do we get to that where those little seeds are dropped in a show where you just really go along that journey and you're like, wow, they dropped it all the way back there. You know, um, and that, that's what I was thinking about. Same with yeah. cinematography. We grew in cinematography. What about writing? So friends, we got to run. Uh, for those of you uh, listening in on iTunes, thank you very much for joining us. For those of you watching on video and YouTube or wherever else, uh, stay tuned. We've got a little feature called uh, the free for all. We're going to have some of our guests from this week joining us as well as our interns. We're going to have a little fun. We're going to go nuts. It's going to be reckless. Crazy. So thank you all so very much for joining us. And as always, remember the seventh rule. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. He's always Hello, shaking his head. And always. welcome back to the seventh rule. This is the free for all. Everybody's here. Everybody's going nuts, especially Darnell. Uh, ah. <laughs> Aaron Eisenberg. We are joined by Heather Jordan and Kat R. King. We also have Christine Rideout and the troublemaker, Darnell Davis. Uh, so today's big question today, guys. Are you ready for this? Starting with Kat. Oh. And everybody's going to answer it. What's your favorite cookie? Wow. Oh. Wow. Okay, That's right really now, I, I don't have a, an all-time favorite, but right now, because I live in Southern California, it's those fudge stripe cookies. You know I'm talking about the, the shortbread ones with the fudge stripes. I'm, I'm just all about those right why now. Because, why? Because you're in California. 
<laughs> because right, I didn't grow up with anything like that, you know. So I grew up with like yeah, I grew up with in the UK, and we have a totally different types of you know thickies and all that. You only have shortbread. Then I, right. Then I lived in in Australia, and then you get the Tim Tams and like the wafer style. But these, yeah. there's something about those little shortbread cookies with the. Just drives you crazy. Oh, it just drives me. So mad. this is really what's going on while you're in your car because you had to get a couple packs of those and hide and eat them all. <laughs> Target run. I'm actually at the very back <laughs> of the car park at the That's Target park, car park yeah. with, you know, yes. Next time, no. next time we do a free for all, I want to see the back seat just covered with those packages. <laughs> with I might surprise you. I, might I want to see you. that. That's got to happen, Kat. That's got to happen. She's actually <laughs> got too. the Keebler elf guy in her trunk. She's kidding. Well, no, I'll, I'll be the Keebler elf. I'll be in the truck. <laughs> and the back. Just calling me out. Calling me out. You know? Hey, leave her alone, guys. All right, Heather. Oh, well, look at you being a hero. That's so sweet. Same question. Favorite see, cookie, I got Heather. your back, Kat. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank like you. Old-fashioned chocolate chip. Just, oh, yeah. but but which one? Chips Ahoy? You know, you going all you getting a turn into a pirate? Like the soft cookies. Oh, the soft. Yeah. Like the hard ones. Yes. I like yeah. the soft bake. I guess mm. they're soft bake Chips Ahoy, something like yeah. that. Yeah, soft bake. You're you're a softy. I get it. <laughs> the chewy, yeah. extra chewy. Yeah. Chewy. Like the hard crunch is like. <laughs> You know, too much work. <laughs> Why hasn't Star Wars capitalized on that? <laughs> Chewy cookie. Sorry, it's very bad. That's what they make. That's the sound they make. When you Christine eat. loves my ideas. She's like, ooh, I'm writing that one down, too. <laughs> Christine, what, what? do you think? <laughs> um, homemade chocolate chip cookies. Like okay, a little spin. Like the Tool House recipe from when, you know, grandma used to make them. I can't give Nestle any money though, Christine. I can't give Nestle any money. That's true, but you could use a different brand of chocolate chip, but that recipe, you know, like homemade, kind of soft. That's um, true. Good call. Um, and, if you, and if you can't make them at home, then Costco makes really good ones. See, I was thinking if I was using the recipe, somehow they were getting money from me. I don't know why I thought that. Very strange. <laughs> I, I like the Ghirardelli one. If you, get, if you find the Ghirardelli chocolate chips, you don't have to do the Nestle that way. And they're well, really that's nice. That's true. I, I don't know why I was afraid to use the, Tesla, the, the Toll House recipe because it was Nestle. I go, well, I can't use that because it's Nestle. But they have no idea that I'm using that. That's right. I feel so yeah, stupid right now. We're here called Wegmans, which is like um, kind of a big deal where we live and they have fresh baked cookies that they sell and they're great. They're soft and fresh and uh, I mean, they're gone within minutes when we get them. So minutes, minutes. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're selling like hotcakes. And here's my unpopular opinion for the day. Ooh. My least Ooh. favorite cookies, Girl Scout cookies. <gasps> I, I do All like of them, just the whole thing, the whole gamut. <laughs> the whole it's a racket. And the people that make racket. them and the little uh, girls that sell them, just the whole thing, the whole My racket. little girls used to be those little girls who sell them, and that's why we quit Girl Scouts. Yeah. How dare you? The pressure, man. How the pressure. I got it. And it was like, I was a fitness coach at the time. I'm like, I'm not asking my friends to buy this crap. <laughs> so Darnell, Darnell, you are you an animal raisin on Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> oh my God, I love Girl Scout you, cookies. You know the best place to post up now is right for Girl Scout to sell those but, cookies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some dispensary. Some some by the dispensary. <laughs> that is a good one. 
Well, we've officially uh, dropped three sponsors. McDonald's, <laughs> Nestle, Nestle, and, and, and Girl Scout, Scout Cookies will officially not be sponsoring this show. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> Why did you say me? What did I do? Well, I, just, uh, I, I, can't, I can't say somebody. Wow, you just saw uh, the Aaron, Aaron and I, No, it doesn't matter because Aaron and I are going to make a buttload of money for this podcast with our Hollywood Squares idea. Star Trek Squares, yes. Right. Yes. 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 We need to make oh, it happen. Oh, oh, the excitement has returned for that. We can add that to our show, Christine. Okay. Now, right. as, a, as a witness, I want 5%. We got to hear from Darnell. <laughs> said Darnell said there was no recording. Well, I'm, I'm a witness. <laughs> Ryan's all, can we please just get to the question? I, I'm just trying to get Darnell's answer. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah, okay, Ryan. Um, Don't say Girl Scout cookies. I, I love I love the pepperidge farms or however you say it. Mm. Milano. Milano. Milano's are good. I like the soft Pepperidge farm. Pepperidge Farms, whatever it is, and uh, yep. the soft bake. I love anything chocolate, so you combine all that. Uh, I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. So Darnell's answer is all cookies, always and forever. Absolutely. Darnell's <laughs> trying to stay away from the sugar, but uh, you, you put some in front of me, they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> Aaron? Yeah. I mean, is there really a cookie that people we don't like? Uh, you know, I, I could go, you know, to the Oreos. I could go to the Oreos. The, you know, everyone likes Oreos. I could go to Ginger Snaps. Mm -hmm. Everyone, you know, I love ginger, especially fresh gingerbread. I, mm. I, with grated ginger. Oh, my God, that's so good. I'm going to go to those devil food cookies uh, that uh, I haven't had in a very long time, but, but those sound so good right now. When you can't fit in your cosplay. They're all devil food. Cookies. <laughs> oh, but the, the, they're like cake cookies. The devil's food. What? They're yeah. like uh, chocolate covered cake cookies. Soft, right? Soft. Very soft. Yeah. Mm. I like the Very soft, soft cookies. Everyone likes microwave. soft cookies. I put them in the microwave. I love it. All right, Sirak, what do you think? Well, I, uh, I have a cookie place that I used to go to when I was in college. It's in Westwood. It's called Dee Dee Reese. That's a, they, oh, I thought you were going to say a different kind of cookie, Sirach. No, no, no. Wow. No, I wasn't going to bring that one up, but <clears throat> no, this is, this, is, this is a great cookie spot, and they have a cinnamon sugar cookie that I like there. It's just basically real, just covered with cinnamon. And um, the other cookie that I like is a new cookie that just opened up called Zookie's Cookies, and they have this, this really soft gooey chocolate chip cookie that's like melting hot in the middle and i love that sounds naughty i just like hearing you say cookie mm -hmm. cookie yeah just say it again say, just say it, it again yeah. i'm all about cookie. my cookies i love that it's like cookie Wait, monster cookie. like yeah, yeah we have zookie's cookies cookie. yes cookie. yes <laughs> we need a cookie sponsor so he can read all about the cookie just company see, just so you know there's a place, if you like cookies, like you like ice cream sandwiches with cookies, there's a place that you had to go all the way to Riverside for it. But I think they have some in LA. You know what I'm talking about. They're just ice cream sandwiches, but smashed between two big gold cookies. Oh, you can yeah. pick out whatever flavor yeah. you want. It's like 250. It's delicious. Yeah. yeah. I think we're going with Darnell's uh, Pepperidge Farms, though. That's kind of, kind of, yeah, we're going. Gonna be the of goodies. I mean, oh, you're choosing who's the best. Yes. Uh, I mean, yes. I just wow. think that's, if we're looking for sponsors, let's go with Pepperidge Farms. I mean, for me, 
I kind of fell, fell in love with Snickerdoodles back in the day. That's a very sweet Mormon. I just girl. love I that love name, Snickerdoodles. Snickerdoodles. Yeah. yeah, she used to bake me these fresh Snickerdoodle cookies, and they just they were, it was like baked with God's love or something like oh, that. They were just so good. So <laughs> yeah, they I call that that's called, that's, that's called that's marijuana. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> those were edibles. They were so <laughs> fun. Who who made these for you? Okay, I guess he doesn't want to answer. <laughs> the, the, the clinic. <laughs> not reveal my sources. <laughs> no, it was a friend of mine named Renee Tullis. Very oh, good friend. She's a neighbor, there. an older woman making you cookies. Cookie. Yeah. In the wee hours of the cougar. Lucky. Yeah, she had an Irish accent. It's like the graduate. <laughs> Thank you, Darnell. Thank you. At least I got one laugh. That was for me. That was a pity laugh. That was a pity laugh. That's, that's my that laugh, Aaron. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not a pity laugh. That laugh was for me, Aaron. No, it wasn't. Ro- no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> nice try. All right, all right, never mind. When he, when you say something funny, I'm sure he'll laugh. Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks for joining us on the free for all. Oh, that's uh, it. Yeah, Sarah keeps Why? texting that he needs to go home. Um, oh, I, I want to get some cookies now. So <laughs> I know I'm hungry. I think I need to go <laughs> and get to the chocolate chips. <laughs> Heather's like, I came here just for this? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what my favorite movie was. Hey, guys. Oh, you like some of my favorite movie. I was ready for that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah ask another one. Come on, Ryan. I didn't even then, get to wait, say wait, my wait, wait a minute. Wait, I have, okay. All right, I have, I'll ask another hold on, one. Hold on, hold on. Ryan, I have, uh, what is your favorite toilet paper to use? Uh, Aaron, we'll start with you. Wow. Wow. Oh, let's look at the paper. time. I didn't know we had to use toilet paper. <laughs> it's getting late. <laughs> no, we are going to ask another late. question. But <laughs> okay. Right. Thank you all for joining us. Oh, uh, wow, oh, Ryan. Right. Everyone's disappointed. Charmin. I'm He's used to it. it down. Heather wanted to say I'm what I'm all about the cold northern. Oh, <laughs> Heather, I'm I dying to know what you're I, I was just ready for that question because Ryan said yesterday that that was going to be the question. He oh, yeah. Tell us. What? So what? No. Okay, okay. Um, it's Fifth Element. Oh, really? Movie. Yes. That's one of my favorite directors, The Professional and the Femme Nikita. It's all about the story because at the end, it's just like, it's so pure, you know, like the, the fifth element is love and you gotta give props to that scene. Spoilers. I didn't miss it. I kind of missed it too. Oh, Ryan, Ryan saying we gotta go. Yeah, sorry, but I love hearing about the fifth element. She said she's gonna cosplay as Lilo at the Star Trek convention. So oh, very cold in the convention, just so you know. I'm going to be the flying car. <laughs> Thank you, Darnell. I laugh at everything. You guys are funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's the funniest show this side of the Gamma Quadrant. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think you should be Bruce Willis. I could do that. You could do Bruce Willis. Mini, Ro- Mini Willis. And I'll, I'll do a Danny Glover. We can go as Lethal Weapon 4. Yes, let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. I'm, got, got to I'm, get, do it. I'm getting too old for this shit. I need a long hair shit. wig so I yeah. can do Mel Gibson. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this shit. Right. Does that mean I have to be Joe Pesci? Is that a bad? Yeah, a bad yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I should probably be Joe Pesci, and you should be. Uh, yes, I, I was going to say, I think Karen. Maybe you're right. Good point. <laughs> 
Utes, Utes. The two Utes. <laughs> two Utes. <laughs> two Utes. Uh, I got a hole in the desert with your name on it. <laughs> Do I I'm going to go watch Casino funny? now, guys. You think I'm funny? Okay, <laughs> funny, funny how? Funny, funny how? Funny how, how? Funny, uh-uh. Well, all right. We'll all say goodbye. Christine's like, gosh, get me out of this. Thank you all for joining <laughs> Heather and Kat. It's great to, to have you on board with us. Uh, Darnell, I'm glad your, your uh, Wi-Fi lasted through this show. Um, and Ciroc, again, I feel like I'm being kidnapped right now and you're about to close the trunk. That's all right. You stay in there, kid. <laughs> no, I'm not in a car. I'm actually in a suitcase and he's about to close the lid. <laughs> Big suitcase, actually. Mm. All right. All right. All right. Thanks Thank you, guys. guys. Have a good uh, one. Till next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.